And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. Eagle Whistler. Staple will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's international intrigue and adventure as we travel to Cairo for Rocky Jordan starring Jack Moyles. Then Judy Garland makes a guest appearance on part one of the Bob Hope Show from 1939. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf, the co-hostess with the mostess. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. How are those dimples doing? They're doing just Gosh, fine. They're I'm deep, taking really good care of them. Really deep. I smile a lot. Do you see those things over there, Mike? I sure do. Man, oh man. They jump right out wow. at you, huh? Gosh. Yeah, they're yeah. cool, though. I Thanks. like them. I like Thanks. them. Lisa. I like them. All right, well, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to tune in to a Rocky Jordan adventure, a good drama that came to CBS Radio in 1948, lasted until 1951. Now, Rocky Jordan was an American restaurateur, an amateur detective, and the proprietor of the Cafe Tambourine, located in Cairo, the gateway to the ancient East, where adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Each week, Jordan became involved in a mystery or adventure. Now, Jack Moyle starred as Rocky Jordan. Then, George Raft took over the role. Cast members included Jay Novello, Lawrence Dobkin, and Lou Krugman. Here's Rocky Jordan now from July 3rd, 1949. This is called The Map of Murder, starring Jack Moyles. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the Mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, The Map of Murder. To begin with, I'm a businessman. I run a cafe, and when business gets bad, I look for ways to pep it up. So when Musine Duval came in asking for a job as a singer, I decided to try some entertainment. All Musine asked was a week's tryout and a little salary advance to keep her going. Well, anyhow, I'll admit it, I sort of liked her. Maybe it was the way her coal black hair was bobbed, sort of like the Sphinx. And the round curve of her white shoulders as she sat at the piano under a spotlight. Anyhow, you couldn't keep the customers away. Things went swell till the fourth night. I was in my office about ten o'clock listening to the jingle of my cash register up front when it all started. What are you doing? 
Just who do you think you are, interrupting my song and grabbing me like a common woman of the street? I got to the door and could see Muzine screaming at a big swarthy guy who was standing up trying to get a word in. A couple of waiters were hovering around just in case. I decided to cut in. I do not go with the drinks, monsieur. I'd like to find out just what you do go with. You will find out. You do not leave and stop molesting me. Okay, what's this all about? Who are you? Jordan, I run this place. I don't go in for having my entertainers roughed up. Okay, Jordan, my name is Ralph Garnett. I was only looking for a certain girl. Sure, sure. I thought this might be the one. So when she came by my table, I just reached up to turn her around. She slipped and fell in my lap. Ah, fell? It is not so rocky. He pulled me. All right, I'll handle him, Muzin. I didn't mean to cause this much of an incident. I'll try a different approach next time. Look, Jordan, when I find the woman I want, there aren't going to be any polite words wasted between us. You ever see this guy before, Muzin? Never. Never in my life, Rocky. All right, Garnett. I suppose you blow. Okay, we're playing in your park. But I'd like to meet you on my home ground sometime. I'll work you into my 1960 schedule. We play a rough game there, Jordan. I've never lost. Garnett jostled his way through the tables to the door and was gone. Right then, I wrote it off the books. And that was my first mistake. About three days later, I had a note saying an old friend of mine was in town. Gunter Rentz of the 32nd Foreign Legion Regiment. I'd met Rentz a couple of years before. He comes into Cairo every once in a while and takes a hotel room where he sits in comparative solitude and reads good books, drinks good liquor, and plays bad gin rummy. I usually join him for a quiet brandy and a few hands of gin. This time he was staying in room 409 at the International Hotel on El Hakur Street. So I went over to see him. I was due at 7 and almost on time. A sign on the cage elevator said out of order, so I took the steps. Just as I reached the third floor, I heard somebody scream. And nobody screams in Cairo for fun. It seemed to come from the room almost in front of me, so I got over to the door and knocked. No one answered, so I tried the doorknob and it opened. What I saw made me forget for the moment about my date with Rents. The phone began ringing, so I walked over and picked it up before I realized what I was doing. Hello? Room 309? Uh, just a minute. Yeah, yes, 309. Who's this? Mr. Amar, the hotel manager. Do you have a girl in your room? I'm afraid I do. Well, she will have to come down and register. Well, don't expect her, Mr. Amar. And why not, may I ask? She's as dead as the air in your closets. I put down the phone and took another look at the girl. And it hurt. I was going to miss her at the tambourine. Yeah, it was Musine Duval sprawled on the floor. Her beauty spoiled by a knife handle sticking from her chest. I started to look around and then changed my mind. There was nothing I could do for her now, and this was no place to be found. So I slipped out and hurried down the dark corridor to the back stairs. I was up just three steps when I heard a door slam and running footsteps. I made it back on the double. There was nobody in the corridor, but I was certain I'd heard somebody run in or out of that room. So right then, I had another look. Muzine was still alone. I looked around and found nothing. This time, I took a spread from the bed to lay over her pathetic figure. As I bent over, I noticed a thin, flat package showing from beneath her blouse at the throat. I figured the package might be an ace in the hole, so I grabbed it, shoved it in my pocket, and got out again. I met the excited manager as he hit the top step. He'd already called the police, so I decided to wait. 
In another 15 minutes, Captain Sam Sabaya had joined us. He listened real patiently. Yes. So that is your story, Jordan. Every bit of it, Sam. He was in this room when I called Captain Sabaya. He answered the phone. Jordan, you say your being here was a coincidence, and yet she worked at your cafe. Look, don't start getting ideas, Sam. I gave it to you straight. I'd like to know the answer, too. There is much more you can tell us. Yours was the voice on the phone. One moment. Mr. Ma, who rented this room? Not the girl. Some man whom I did not see because I was not at the desk when he registered. Where are you when everything happens? At the time, I might have been counting linen. Do not pick at me. I am nervous enough. What was the man's name? The register says John Smith. I cannot read the city. It is blotted. Ah. Uh, take care of us, Sam. Indeed, I shall, Jordan. And as for you, I will get in touch with you soon. I was in no mood for it, but I decided to keep my date with Gunter Rentz. But first, I stopped on the back stair landing for a look at the package I'd found on Muzine. It contained two sets of passports and visas. One for a girl I'd never seen before named Helen Brecht, and the other for a man named Rudolf Crane, only there was no picture of him. Then there was a ring with a curious design on it, and most of all, five $1,000 American bills. I put the bills in one pocket and the rest of the stuff in the other. And I went up and knocked on Rents' door. Ah, uh, my good friend Rocky Jordan. Come in, please. Hello, Rance. Welcome to the big city. <laughs> well, the, the city is good only because I can get away for a while from the confinement of the barracks. To the confinement of a hotel room? Yeah, yeah. But in this room, I can pick my friends, well, like you, Rocky. Yeah, yeah. Please, please sit down. Thanks. Well, come, Rocky. Are you not glad to see me? Oh, sure, sure. Just some unpleasant excitement. Oh, excitement? Girl was killed in a room downstairs. Ah, death. Ah, that is too bad. Uh, l let us not talk of death. You'll play cards, huh? I have found some things you might help me with. Oh, so? Yeah, this, this ring here. Has some kind of German design. Mm. Maybe you can tell me what it is. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I can most certainly tell you. This is a ring worn by the members of a certain German regiment during the last war. The 274th Schutzstaffel, to be precise. Well, I found it on the girl. Uh. And he's, he's, Passports, too. Well, let me see. Mm. Ah, well, no, no, these, these are nothing. But should you not turn them over to the police? Yeah, I'll give them to Sabaya in the morning. Well, now perhaps a drink would help. No? Yeah, a big tall one, huh? Brandy and soda. Well, in a minute I will have it. While Rance was in the washroom to fix a drink, some kind of intuition told me I'd better get rid of the stuff I'd found before somebody came digging around. I got up quickly, tried one of the knobs on the brass bedpost. It slipped off. I dropped the $5,000 down inside. I knew nobody would ever touch it with Rents as a watchdog. There was no room for the papers, and besides, Rents was coming back. So I put the knob back on and sat down. Ah, here you are, Rocky. Brandy and soda. Ah, oh, thanks. And now the cards. The best antidote for a weary mind. Uh, uh, you shuffle, huh? Sure. Now, uh, tell me, Rocky, who do they think killed the girl? They think I did. You? Oh, <laughs> oh no. An excellent joke. <laughs> we'll uh, cut the cards, Rocky. Well, I stayed late playing gin with Rents and started home long about midnight. The taxis were scarce, so I caught a trolley as far as I could and walked the deserted streets the rest of the way to the tambourine. I was a couple of blocks from the cafe when it happened. <laughs> 
I couldn't see who it was or where he came from. All I could hope for was a lucky punch, but it was no good. He kept behind me. And the old silken cord treatment is one thing you can't fight. I came out of it maybe a couple of minutes later, slumped against a wall, wondering why I was still alive. My pockets were inside out and my neck burned where the cord had been. I was stripped of everything I carried. The papers, the ring, the billfold, and my watch. Now I knew there was a killer in Cairo I had to meet again. Well, the next morning before I opened up the tambourine, I picked up a paper from the boy down in the corner. It told the whole story of Mouzine Duval's death, but with names. I was listed as the man who found the body and a potential suspect. Then I went back in the cafe by my back office door, and just in time, someone was going through my desk drawers. Before he had a chance to straighten up, I tackled He rolled, and I rolled with him. He brought his knee up. I moved aside and gave him an elbow. His fist caught me in the back of the ear. Another one of the kidneys had all but paralyzed my legs. I hit him again. I knew he felt it this time. He was on top. I doubled up my legs and threw him upward. Lifted him, and his head caught the edge of the desk. That's when he quit fighting. Like I said, Jordan, you're, you're great in your home field. I know the park on it. Come on, get up. Okay. You do lots of things besides annoy pretty girls, don't you? <laughs> you got a good memory for faces. What were you looking for? What you missed last night? Last night? Last night, when you rolled me. I never rolled anybody in my life. Yeah? What were you doing to my desk? Looking for a stamp. <laughs> That help you remember? No more of that, Jordan. I read in the papers you found that girl, by whatever she calls herself. But nothing was found on the body. You think she had something? Plenty, if she's who I think she is. And you just dropped around to see if I had it tucked away in an odd corner. Maybe you have. Should we call Sabaya in or start explaining? (laughs) You won't believe me. It's pretty likely. I've been following a girl halfway around the world. I was once in love with her. And she stole $8,000 and a map from me and disappeared. What kind of a map? Why should I tell you? Because I got an idea you registered in the International Hotel under the not-too-original name of John Smith and killed the girl. Well, Jordan, you're wrong. I should have killed her, but I didn't. What about the map? Well, during the war, I was an American Army officer in charge of a front-line PW enclosure in Alsace-Lorraine. There was a German general there who wanted to get out. He offered me a map for his freedom. Said it was a map showing where he'd buried his family's wealth when it looked as if Germany was going to lose. It was worth at least $200,000. Huh? Go on. I told him I'd think it over. But the next day, he was killed when the Germans started cross-shelling. I took the map off his body. Yeah. To the victor goes... The map was of a small area, but it didn't tell the general part of Germany it was in. I searched all over Germany, but I couldn't find the place. Where does the girl figure in? Well, I'd gone home to America. I was getting ready to go back to Germany for another try when... when I met this girl. She said she knew Germany like her own backyard. We were going to look for it together. Then we were going to get married. And she ended up taking all your dough and the map. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a great yarn, Garnett, only it's a four-star phony. It's true, Jordan, every bit of it. So what would the girl you're looking for be doing in Cairo? Why was she wasting her time in my cafe? 
Cute way of hiding out, I'd say. Till her accomplice showed up. Maybe they planned to meet here. You say Musine might be the girl, but you don't know. Why? Well, she... She looks the same. She has the same build. Only she was blonde and white-skinned. Was she French? No. But Helen could have dyed her hair and assumed an accent. Wait a minute. You say Helen. Yeah, that was her name. Helen Breck. Hey, what are you doing? Who are you calling? Headquarters. Give me Captain Sam Sabaya. Jordan, what possible good will that uh, Hold it, Gunner. Sabaya speaking. Uh, it's Rocky, Sam. What now, Jordan? Listen, did the girl who was killed yesterday have most of her body stained brown and her hair dyed black? How did you know that? Thanks, Sam. That's all I wanted to know. And it's true. Yeah, maybe. Look, leave your address in the desk where I can find you, Garnett. Right now, I've got an errand. When will I hear from you? Uh, with luck, in a couple of hours. With no luck, never. All at once, Garnett's story was making plenty of sense. Helen Brecht was the name on the passport I'd found on Musine. Right then, I was on my way to the Hotel International to hunt up Gunther Rentz. But I got just two blocks in the tambourine when I realized I wouldn't have to look for him. He'd found me. Get in, Rocky. Oh, okay, Rentz. No, it uh, so happens I was on my way to see you. Oh, convenient. I was just going to see you, Rocky. I hired this car and thought we might drive out of the city. Well, there's uh, nothing this way but the desert. You know, you're right. There's almost nothing to see and even less to hear. Franz, uh, didn't you once tell me you came from Schwiegschaben? I admire your memory. But next, Rocky? Also that your name isn't Rentz. It's Baudich. Von Baudich. Do you have a brother? General who died in a PW camp in Alsace-Lorraine? Ah, uh, so you have found out. Oh, I just got it today. Ah. Well, now is an excellent time, and here is an excellent place to talk. Okay. It's on your mind. Well, to begin with, this. Uh, oh, yeah. I always respect a gun. I regret to be so crude, my friend. But you have things I want, and it is necessary to get them if I must kill you. Exactly what? The money and the map you took from that girl. You'd kill me for that. Well, why not? I have killed more people than are in your cafe every night. A war and murder are two different things. Ah, there is always war. Sometimes it is national, sometimes individual. Well, just don't recruit me for your private skirmishes, Wrench. What about the money and the map? You can have the money, but I don't have the map. Where is it? I don't know. Rocky, it belongs to me, to my family. My brother was murdered for it. Yeah. Killed by a shell and the map taken off of him. Ah, so you know the man who took the map? Yeah. Well, he is a liar. A murdering liar. And once I have the map, I will certainly pay my debt to him. Well, that's your war. Are you quite sure you don't have the map, Rocky? You got everything but the money when you rolled me last night. Ah, I am sorry. I tried not to let you see me. I happen to know an old Legion trick when it's played on me. Tell me, uh, how'd you know the girl had the stuff? It's very simple. I commissioned her to get it for me. Oh. Well, okay. Take me back to town. I'll deliver the money to you. Well, um, 
How can I trust you? Look, Rance, I never let a friend down. Even if he's turned into something else. Ah, so, yeah. Yeah, very well. But if you fail me, Rocky, nothing will stop me from reaching you. It's a deal. And, Rocky, this is only between us, huh? Sure. Sure, Rance. Just between friends. That's the first portion of Rocky Jordan from July 3rd, 1949. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Rocky Jordan. Well, there you are. In two days, I've been taken in by two people I thought were friends. And if I was going to shake the police and rents and a guy named Garnett off my trail, I had my job cut out for me. Finding a certain map. But I figured the room at the International Hotel where Muzine was killed would stand a little more searching. It took a five-pound note to bribe the key away from the room clerk, and it wasn't worth it, because I turned up nothing. So that left only one other chance. Muzine's effects at the police station. At headquarters, I gave Sabaya the whole story, top to bottom. Then we had a look at Muzine's clothing and luggage. No more luck. There is no map, Jordan. Well, it's gotta be Sam. She wouldn't let a thing as valuable as that map get two feet away from her. If there ever was one. Well, I'm betting on it. Everybody's story checks too well. The fact remains, Jordan, we have searched everything. Uh, uh, wait a minute. What about the murder weapon? Only a knife. Well, let's have a look. Where is it? Yeah, in this case. That's our last hope, Sam. A faint hope, Jordan. After all, this was held by the murderer. And... It won't hurt to try. Maybe this handle it. Oh, careful, careful. Here, use this handkerchief. Right. Look at that, Sam. The handle comes off. Let's take a look inside. Here, these tweezers will get it out. Right. There she comes. Now, let's see. That's it, Sam. Yes. We have the map. You know what this means? Indeed I do, Jordan. This was Muzine's knife. Who's the only person she'd have to draw it on for her own protection? Friends? No, she was working for him. That leaves only the American, Garnet. Yeah. He was looking for her and she was afraid of him. Then why would she go to his room? I don't know. You see, Jordan, I'm interested only in finding the murderer. We still have no proof. All right, I'll get it for you. Just let me have that map for a little while. And for what purpose? Give, Sam. We're going to lay a little trap. Sam finally saw it my way. In another hour, I was in my office at the tambourine, and sitting across from me was Ralph Garnett. He'd received my call and gotten there in a hurry. Okay, Jordan, what's this about? You want the map, don't you, Garnett? You found it? Yeah. The map and 5,000 of the money Muzine took from it. Where, Jordan? Let's see it. I, uh, I went to a lot of trouble to find the stuff, Garnett. Oh. A deal, huh? Don't think I risked my neck for nothing, do you? <laughs> Jordan, you're my type of man. You know, we could work well together. What are your terms? You get 40% of anything we find and dig up. That's fair enough. Except for one thing. Yeah? When I'm working with a guy, it's got to be an open book. Did you kill Musine? No, Jordan. After that night in your cafe, I cornered her on the street. She admitted she was Helen Breck. She promised to come to my room at the hotel and make a deal. You were there when she got there? No, I was late. When I arrived at the hotel, the police were around, and I stayed out of sight. 
I don't know how she got into my room. All right, Garnett. Do you want the map or don't you? What does it take to get it? A confession? Right down the line. Just between the two of us? It won't change the deal. Just so I know. All right. All right, I killed her. I was scared away before I could find the map of the money. They couldn't have. You swear to that? Yes, yes, I swear to it. He's all yours, Sam. What? Mr. Garnett, you are under arrest. Why, Jordan, you cheap, lousy liar. Don't move, Garnett. You had the cop planted in your closet just to dig a confession. Yeah, it worked. Well, I didn't kill the girl. I just said that so you'd give me the map. I find that very hard to believe. Why would I follow her halfway around the world and then kill her before I got the map? Oh, take him away, Sam. Get him out of here. Sabaya had his man, and I should have felt real proud of myself. Only somehow I didn't. I sat there for a long time trying to push the mess out of my mind, but always there were loose ends there that didn't tie up. Well, I'd promised to deliver the 5000 to Gunter Rents. Once that was over, I could wash out of the whole affair. So I went back to his hotel, and he was waiting for me. Well, come in, Rocky. You surprised I kept my promise, Rents? Oh, I, I never doubted you would come. You are too intelligent to underestimate my determination. Thanks. My gun remains on the bureau, Rocky. Oh, don't worry. I'm just making sure it's not used. Yeah. Now we're even, Rex. Where is the money, Rocky? In that left corner bedpost. I can become impatient. You want to look or not? Ah, ah so it is. Five thousand dollars. Well, your cleverness amuses me. Now, if you want the map, go talk to Sam Sabaya. The map? He has it? That's right. Well, I have every right to it. He will give it to me. And he has something else. A guy named Garnett who just confessed to Muzine's murder. Ah, so the killing is finally solved. Yep, only for a while it figured kind of different. <laughs> what? With me as a suspect, perhaps? It sure looked that way. Let's say you found out she had a deal with Garnett. Yeah. Playing his offer for the map against yours. Oh, well, that much is true. All right, Garnett's room was directly below yours, so you went down to talk to him. Just then the girl came in. You argued, she pulled the knife, and you killed her. Uh, well, it is over now. As you say, Garnett has confessed all. So, now let us have a drink together. Hmm? Yeah, sure, mix him up, Rance. It will only take a moment. Oh, Rance. Yeah, Rocky? This uh, fire escape outside the window. You been on it recently? Oh, certainly not. Why do you ask? A uh, footprint in the flower box. Somebody's been out here. Well, what of it, Rocky? If I didn't know different, I'd say that explained how you got into Garnet's room. Ah, now, please. Why do you not forget all about this? Unfa- Rocky, where are you going? The police headquarters, Rents. They tell Sam Sabaya you killed Muzine Duval. And with that, I took off down the hall, running as fast as I could. I knew if that gonna rise out of Rents, I was finally right about the whole thing. It didn't take me long to find out. Rocky! Rents was out of the room and down the corridor after me faster than I could believe, with speed born of a lifetime of military training. He caught me from behind just as we reached the top of the stairs. We hit hard, we rolled down the whole flight of stairs. We hit the landing and kept rolling. Then there was a loud crash of splintering glass. Rents disappeared through the low window. A second later, I heard him hit the alleyway, three stories below. There was a pretty good crowd around by the time I got down there. A couple of police were trying to hold people back, but they finally let me through when I was bending over Rents. He was pretty hard to look at. Rents? Mm. Rents, it's Rocky. Oh, Rocky. You... You're not going to make it. 
You know that, don't you? Okay. Okay. My true name will be known only to you. My family must never know. It's a promise, Rens. You killed Musain, didn't you? Huh. Didn't you? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, Rocky, I killed her. Well, Sam Sabaya got the story from me and a few other witnesses. Garnett was released, but he was still pretty sore at me. It took him a long time to prove the 5,000 was really his. But Sabaya kept the map and turned it over to the military government of Germany to decide where it belonged. So nobody's very happy. Me? Well, I'm going to miss Musine's singing. And my customers are demanding entertainment. <laughs> Wonder when Cairo's going to get television. It's CBS again at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Rocky Jordan, starring Jack Moyles in the title role, is produced and directed by Cliff Powell with original music by Richard Arant. Tonight's story was by John Michael Hayes, edited by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Rocky Jordan with the Map of Murder starring Jack Moyles from July 3rd, 1949, as heard on CBS. Before we tune into the Bob Hope Show, I want to remind all of our listeners about our website. It is Hollywood360radio.com. We have an incredibly cool podcast at that site. It's always one week behind from our radio broadcasts, but you'll never miss any of our program if you go to Hollywood360radio.com. We put the full four-hour show up every single week, as I said, one week behind, and it's podcast for you to listen at your convenience. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. All right, it is time now for the Bob Hope Show. This was a comedy series that came to radio in 1937. Now, Hope's career in broadcasting spanned 64 years. He was one of the biggest stars of all time. He performed on Broadway, radio, TV, movies. He traveled the world entertaining the U.S. military. And his sidekick for many years was Jerry Colonna. Usually his shows had guest stars, like the one we're going to listen to tonight. Judy Garland is on that. Sponsors included Pepsodent, Swan Soap, Chesterfield, and Jell-O. His radio show lasted until 1953. His TV specials lasted into the 1990s, and he died at the age of 100 at his home in Tallulah Lake, California. Time now for a Bob Hope radio show for you. From March 7, 1939, Hope's special guest, Judy Garland. Let's tune in to the Bob Hope Show. The Pepsodent Show, starring Bob Hope. The smile the Pepsodent, make right for merry men. We'll shine tonight with brighter light. Here's Hope, that sunny gent. Ah, thank you so much. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Pepsodent Kid, Bob Hope. Still eating three meals a day with your teeth. 
I'm a little tired tonight. I just got back from the Santa Anita Handicap. I would have been here sooner, but I stopped to have my barrel pressed. <laughs> Santa Anita, that's the outdoor version of you can't take it with you. <laughs> but really, it's beautiful out there, folks. The grass on the infield is gorgeous. After the fourth race, I had some of it for lunch. <laughs> and they've enlarged Santa Anita this year, and I want to tell you, the whole place is run just like a machine. A vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I've never seen so many people in one place. The crowds were so heavy, the pickpockets had to put on extra help. In fact, they were so busy, they wouldn't pick the pocket of a tweed suit. The fuzz slowed them up too much. <laughs> One pickpocket lifted my wallet and the list of the horses I was going to bet on. He took one look at the list, handed me back my wallet, and gave me an extra dollar for car fare. <laughs> and you should have seen the automobiles out there. I've never seen so many cars. It looked like the backyard of the finance company. <laughs> I hear Morgenthau wants to trade his job for the parking concession. <laughs> I came late and had to park at the end of the parking lot. In fact, I, when I got out of my car, I found out I had paid a quarter to park in my own driveway. <laughs> they say it's hard to get back to town in traffic, but I fooled them. I left before the first race. I... No, I wish I had. Skinny gave me a tip on the handicap. He said the horse can't lose. The jockey's been eating garlic, and the horse will win trying to get away. <laughs> first time I ever saw a jockey ride a horse backwards. I said, what's the idea of riding a horse backwards? He said, I have to. It makes the horse nervous to have anyone look over his shoulder. <laughs> nice horse. Every once in a while, he'd look around to see if his plow was on straight. <laughs> he was so far behind, his tail showed in the photo finish. <laughs> Really, the jockey pulled him up so much It's the first time I ever saw a horse finish With a bit under his tail <laughs> I should have known better When I saw the jockey carrying an overnight bag Say, Bob Bob, you know, you really looked swell Out there at the Santa Anita Derby last Saturday Bill, that's Derby The English say Derby And the Americans say Derby Yeah, and the losers say nuts yeah. <laughs> Say, I, Bob, I hear the owners of the horses out at Santa Anita sit in boxes that have their names on them. That's right, Bill. There's the Whitney box, the Vanderbilt box, Bradley, Astor. Yeah, well, what was the name of the box you were sitting in, Bob? A sun-kissed. Uh... <laughs> Say, how did you like that suit I had on? Suit? Where did you get that thing? It looked like it was cut down from a shroud. <laughs> Is that so? I'll have you know I was the best-dressed man at Santa Anita. I was a regular Bo Brummel. Hello, Bo. What do you hear from the other Brummels? <laughs> Well, Patsy Kelly. Well... Say, Patsy, I saw you out of Santa Anita Saturday. Santa Anita? Slot machines with horses. <laughs> Why, Patsy, it's a privilege to go to a beautiful track like Santa Anita. Why, do you know what the name Santa Anita means? Oh, yes, I know. It's Spanish for hello, sucker. <laughs> Say, weren't you out there with Skinny and his brother? Yeah, the three of us hitchhiked out there Didn't you, Really? Didn't your thumbs get awfully tired? Oh, no, we didn't have to use our thumbs We just waved Skinny's brother <laughs> Well, tell me, is his brother that thin? Thin? Why, that guy has to wear snowshoes when he takes a bath So he won't slide down the drain <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Patsy Skinny's brother isn't that skinny Oh, no, listen That guy is so thin, he just got himself a daytime job stuffing olives 
Stuffing olives? Yeah, he crawls through the olives, dragging the pimento behind them. Hi, everybody. Why, well, hiya, Skinny. Well, if it isn't Tremble Tonsil. Uh, hello, Patsy. Hello, Bated Breath. Say, why don't you inhale once and see how it feels to rough it? Now, listen, see here, Kelly. You can't talk to me like that. Don't forget, I'm a man, incidentally. Incidentally? You mean accidentally. Listen, Kelly. Before you say another word, just take a look at those bulging muscles. Muscles? Where? I don't see any muscles. Doggone it, I forgot to put them on tonight. <laughs> say, Patsy, I, I heard that your family was out here for the big race. Yeah, they just got here from back east. Back east, huh? How are things in Pomona? Yeah. Say, I, I suppose they've been out to the studio to watch you make pictures. Yeah, they came out on the set and watched me um, work on my last picture. Say, I saw that picture, Patsy. Say, what were those swallows doing flying across the screen? Those weren't swallows. My father was sitting on one side of the set and the cuspidor was on the other. <laughs> Well, what does your family think of our radio program? Well, I'll give you an idea. I just got a letter from my uncle back in Brooklyn. Really? What does he say? Well, here it is. Dear Patsy, the Pepsodent show is much improved. You're much better than you were. Skinny Ennis is much better, and Jerry Colonna is much improved. Well, doesn't he say anything about me? Oh, yes. Here. P.S. Hope you are the same. <laughs> so long. <laughs> Hey, Bob. Yeah, yeah, Bill. How, how long was that big race last Saturday? Well, it was a mile and a quarter, Bill. Well, just what does that mean, Bob? Well, it means it was the horse's last mile and my last quarter. <laughs> oh, well, now, don't be discouraged, Bob. You know our motto, never say die. Never say die. Yeah. yeah. Opens at the Paramount Theater in New York tomorrow. And the plug. <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> And now may I present one of the most charming and talented members of Hollywood's younger generation, soon to be seen in The Wizard of Oz, MGM singing sensation Miss Judy Garland. Mr. Hope, I hope, I hope that you will not be cross. I hope that you won't think that I'm a bore. When I heard you sing that lovely song to Shirley Ross I knew that Gable didn't matter anymore It had to be you It had to be you I looked all around and finally found marvelous you. For you are the one, say what you will. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you. Why, Judy, I, I didn't know you felt this way about me. Well, Mr. Hope, I, I used to like Clark Gable and Robert Taylor, but, but you're different. I know it, Judy. I've been told that before. <laughs> Gee, I, I've seen all your pictures, and I listen to you every time you're on the air. 
no matter what the rest of the family wants to hear. <laughs> That's the first portion of the Bob Hope Show. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Tully, rated R. It's a dramedy. Charlize Theron plays Margot, a mother of three who's struggling after the birth of her baby. Her husband, Drew, Ron Livingston, travels and, you know, plays video games when he is home. Margot's wealthy brother, played by Mark Duplass, convinces her to find a night nanny to help. Tully, played by Mackenzie Davis, comes to the rescue. You know, it's been 11 years since director Jason Rittman and screenwriter Diablo Cody wrote the smash hit Juno. Here we see the realities of motherhood after the birth. Let's take a listen. No, no, no. Do you know what a night nanny is? They take care of the baby at night so mom and dad can get some sleep. I don't want a stranger in my house. It's like a Lifetime movie where the nanny tries to kill the family and the mom survives and she has to walk with a cane at the end. Get over yourself. Margot's life changes for the better once she's accepted help. Here's another clip. Your 20s are great. But then your 30s come around the corner like a garbage truck at 5 a.m. Girls kill. No, we don't. We might look like we're all better, but if you look close, we're covered in concealer. The bottom line, I'm way in. Three and a half stars out of four. I'm a proponent of showing the realities of motherhood and not those staged Instagram photos of children, you know, behaving as angels and moms who look like they've just stepped out of magazine ads. And here, we really have the real deal. There is a surprise twist at the end that I wasn't a fan of. However, you will need to be the final judge. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Bob Hope Show with special guest Judy Garland. Then Lon Clark stars as Nick Carter, Master Detective. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.